podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listener, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 292. I'm Trev Denny and I'm podcasting to you as ever from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm joined by Carl Kopak, by Cam Branch, and in the background by producer Guy Drinkle. Now, we have a strange scenario afoot this evening. Um, I've kept the lads waiting and as a result of my... Um, family disaster imposed delay the lads have been entertaining themselves uh online uh in the ways that you might imagine lads what well, these lads would do exactly that as a result we have a slightly distracted car back uh we have uh-huh. a slightly, slightly giddy branch uh and uh we have um instagram reels we have a, a slight <laughs> You better explain that for everybody in a second. Um, I best a, not, you know. I best not. <laughs> slightly tonsorially wonderful uh, Guy Drinkle um, shaping his man bun in the background. Uh, so let's begin, as we ever do, with Carl uh, Kopic and his opening thoughts, because like yesterday, I've got nothing. <laughs> okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Automatic pop-up, yes. Cable length, one meter. Color black. Cool wall, yes. Country of origin, China. Frozen bread setting. Post bread straight from the freezer, yes. High lift. Helps with getting small things out of the toaster, yes. Guarantee, two years. Number of slots, two. Reheat function, yes. Slide out crumb tray, yes. Toasting, in, toasting indicator, indicator light for monitoring the purpose of the toast, yes. The Bosch toaster will, will accommodate various types of bread thanks to its wide slots. While an integrating bun, warm, bun warmer, hello, means uncompromising <laughs> results for those who need the toasters to be prescribed. Other functions include reheat and high lift, and other features include a removable crumb tray with non-sleep feet for activity. Comes with a two-year manufacturer's guarantee. Sorry, okay. removable what tray did you say? With what? Sorry, what tray? Uh, removable something tray. This toaster will accommodate various types of bread thanks to its wide slots, but an integrated bun warmer means uncompromising results for those who need toasting to be just right. Other functions include reheat and high lift, and other features include a removable crumb tray oh, crumb. and non-slip. Yeah. I, I, I would find, I personally would find, of all the features that you've read out of this um, delectable, delightful Uber toaster, which you've obviously bought and felt the need to read the per No. It's not, that's not quite what I'm doing, but go on. A, 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 a high lift is a tremendous feature in a toaster that most of them don't bloody have. It's nice, I've, actually. I've, I've nice. burned the tips of my fingers on low lift toasters so many times that I could, I, as I listened, I, I found myself envying the high lift toaster that you just bought. Why are you reading the spec of your new toaster? Well, no, it's my old toaster. And the reason that I'm reading this out is because it misses one crucial thing in its itinerary list there. Ability to blow up and fuse the entire fucking house, so much so that an electrician had to come over high. That is what I did between the hours of 6 and 7 o'clock tonight. 
My toaster blew up my fucking house setting. No Jeez. light, no power, no Wi-Fi, obviously. A rapidly cooling fridge. That's the evening I had before this call. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and were you able to get someone at that short of notice? To come well, here I am, so yes. Right, okay. But I meant, did you That's have impressive. to improvise? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been gone for a few days, but it didn't actually explode until today. And yeah, oh yeah, yeah. so I've been doing you know, you know, flipping the switch, flipping the switch, flipping the switch, doing lots of things like that. Right, yeah, yeah. How's your microwave, Tom? It's currently in my bin cam. Microwave's in the bin as well. It's in the bin, yeah. Because the bloke who came around said, yeah, basically that thing has just fucking melted the socket. It's that old and shagged out now. How is the cancer underneath the microwave? Oh, the, the, I, if you're if you're concerned about the uh, the high bun lift, I, I ask you not to be concerned any further. That that is fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's just its ability to destroy everything in the house. That's that. I'm, that's a minor upset at this point. Yeah, I, yeah. You you have to wonder really whether it's worth its place in the kitchen. <laughs> it's now it's now in, it's now outside, shall we say? And can I also add, by the way, that that is checkmate. Thank you. I'm back in the room. <laughs> We should explain what's going on there because um, while the lads were waiting, the thing I was referring to that Carl was being distracted by was playing chess. In fact, his payoff line as he uh, narrowed in on victory um, is Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque. Uh, I'd offer you a chance to say it out loud, Carl, if you wish, and all the children in the room can put their fingers in their ears. Your uh, line as you closed in on victory was? When I so I played chess a fair bit in my youth, and I was once told off for a teacher against this quite spiky opponent when I said the words "check your cunt." There you go. Fits effortlessly into the grand pantheon of chess masters. Just Carl Copper. <laughs> it's, it's me and Kasparov. We're very it really similar. Is. That it really is. It really is. Bobby Fisher, who are you? Um, <laughs> you check, and your mates. Check your cunt. Guess ultras. Oh, tremendous. Um, and bring, think, bring yours and see what, what you can do. No think, stands, no runners. I think I wasn't going to play my little clip um, of the uh, inappropriate and accidental use of the C word because I thought it was uh, a bit much, but no. <laughs> no, I'm inspired now. Uh, Cam, uh, how are you getting on? You've been also killing time while I was um, picking family members off the ground. Uh, what was uh, what was your what was your chosen method of uh, of time killing there? Or were you just listening to Carl? Uh, oh, just listening to Carl. Definitely, I was. I was definitely not on, uh, on the AI main Instagram account uh, looking at Instagram reels. I definitely did not do that. <laughs> no, not, not, not in the slightest. So no, I, I was not on a video Skype with the lads uh, showing them these said reels. I definitely did not do that either. And, and at no point did he also end the call to go and sit in another room on his own for 10 minutes. That didn't happen. <laughs> and, and if you're wondering why Guy was on mute, there's your answer. Cam's <laughs> um, just discovered reels, everyone. Delightfully, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I had it until, uh, until Carl mentioned it and whilst we were waiting. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Let, let me just qualify that remark. I said, <laughs> you know those Instagram re- um, reels of the, just girls just dancing showing how happy they are. Isn't that basically just soft porn for blokes? Because it's mostly just undressed women dancing around. Which, no doubt, Brain said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I've never seen a man reach for his phone quite so quickly, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be the arbiter of this, said Blaze. <laughs> That's disgusting, me. he said, typing <laughs> yeah, frantically into his keyboard. And then he made me swipe up and it was all football. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Half an hour oh, later, this is also disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to look. I'm vaguely encouraged that, that it's not. I, I, I just assumed it was like, you know, Instagram, you know, butt girls or something. But it's dancing people. That's okay. That's, that's, that's a bit of football. Yeah, there's basically people doing football skills as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, don't bother with them. Swipe. <laughs> oh god sometimes i'm delighted i have no idea about what the kids are doing at all um we we should also let people know that we did try this show yesterday uh it ended up dying on its arse because of um <laughs> carl's imminent electronic collapse was uh was it wasn't foreshadowed. just electronic I was, I was going big last night yeah it was foreshadowed last night by all sorts of uh technical and signal issues so we did get about half an hour in we did quite a big chunk of show in which we discussed various topics we've decided we won't double down on so yeah. it's very much up for grabs now today uh, we are a little bit further along. should have had Cam's views on the Third Reich. Honestly, I've oh, never heard God. such language. Well, it's, especially when he was insisting on that four-two-three-one formation. Um, I don't know it's how. When he used he the word, it's when he used the word "not all bad." Let's hear him out. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know, I know it, it took until then for you to to be to be shocked, but when he started off with, "I'm not right wing, but." Um, that's, that's, that's what I, uh, that's what, what was I, it? He said that they, they don't want the work. That's the problem. That's another yeah. one. <laughs> it, it's that before you go on, Trev, can I tell you my favorite ever David, well, David Mitchell's favorite ever one line joke ever, which well, is yeah. uh, James Backman, which is a mate of his. He just, just a two line sketch. Um, two men meeting, um, in Germany. Ah, here, Hitler. I've heard many things about you. All good, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> tremendous tremendous what do you call the two lads i can never think of their names Mission oh, on web. no the two lads who wrote um who wrote um peep show um for... oh uh sam bain and jesse armstrong bain and armstrong yeah 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 uh i i, I... <laughs> I might have done some work with them oh, oh yeah right. <laughs> horrible cough no we, we very nearly did once you know we very nearly did something with them as in a sort of a collaboration on some sort of sketch yeah. or something like that. Yeah, well, no, we were con- we were going to add, add something to something they did. Didn't happen. Very, very nice, very nice. Oh yeah, okay. I, I'd be a, I'd be massive admirers. I have to say, the writing for that show is fantastic. I've never gotten your opinion on that, Cam. I know Carl's a big peep show fan. Do you like it? Never watched it. Never watched. Oh, it. Cam, Cam, go now. Jesus, mate, you've, you. got, you've got nine series of pure unbridled joy. You will, now. You will love it, honestly. It is comedy of embarrassment. It might be, it might which, be too clever for me. No, it's Jesus not, mate. God. Honestly, no, 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 no. It is more about jokes than we could ever come up with on this show. It, it is comedy of embarrassment, and it's some. It doesn't suit some people. You right. know, it it doesn't suit some people. It's like some people scratch their heads at the office and go, "No, that just makes me feel uncomfortable." Some people you haven't do that. watched that either. Yeah, but some people do that with curb your enthusiasm as well. Not watch I'm watching that. Um, so you'd love Peep Show though, honestly, it's fantastic. Well, I, I do can't. reckon you, yeah, I reckon you'd love Peep Show. Let uh, me finish you, me, her, which I don't know why I'm still watching, but I am. Um, I've only got about three episodes left of that, and then I'll, I'll, I'll crack on with Peep Show. 
Yeah, do that's not what that's not what you think. Let me know when you do come. I might join you. I might start again. I'll do. I'll I'll do it too. I'll do it too. Because I watched the last five episodes ever on the weekend, just because it's a lovely comfort blanket for me. So if you're starting again, let me know. I'll start again as well. It's it's the greatest end to a series ever. The greatest two lines. Oh, it's so good. I think I. I think I used them as an intro. Yeah, we have done. Yeah, we've done that before. Um. So seeing as we're we're going to be see, he does love me. I absolutely have to get rid of him. Yes, that just sums it up perfectly. Uh, seeing as we are inverting um, things in a in a nouveau satanic fashion, um, can I double down here with the TV recommendations and say that I discovered yep. a show at the weekend called Colony, which why didn't anybody tell me about this show? It is fu- fantastic so far. I want something out there. I can't remember who. Oh, I'm genuinely loving it. It's got. Um, the kid from from Lost with the fantastic hair uh, who played Sawyer, whose name for some reason escapes me. And I noticed the producer is the same as the producer of Lost as well. Uh, it's got uh, Sarah Wayne Callies from uh, The Walking Dead as well in the female lead. It's a tremendous sort of post-invasion by aliens type show that I... I have to say, it's very subtle. It's well done. It takes a long time to build, but wow. Based on a true story? Based on a true story, Carl. Yep. It, it happened while you were fixing your kitchen. <laughs> Did they invade my toaster by any chance? <laughs> or my ex-toaster? Uh, you see, that's the, that's where the bastards start. and they get <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it, it is uh, genuinely tremendous, so um, uh, feel, feel free uh, to uh, contradict me on that if you do ever try it. Uh, right, let's get started with some red material. And um, one thing that we did talk about in a way yesterday that we have to repeat, but we'll look at it from a different perspective today, is the ongoing injury debacle. I, uh, f- I had asked you guys yesterday whether you found it um, difficult to cope with. Um, I'm going to change the tack today because we had the news that Reese Williams has some sort of a, a strain, a strain uh, that he's been sent home from England duty with as well. <laughs> to add to the top of the pile that's ever growing, we also had today, I believe, having spoken yesterday about how Mo might make it out um, just in time. Um, Cam had mooted a wonderful conspiracy theory that uh, he might have been just taking a rest. Uh, now we find that his third COVID test means that he definitely won't be available for Leicester. So it's looking like, as I put on Twitter, we'll probably just play James Miller in front of Allison and see what happens. Um, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen at this stage. Um, yesterday I asked you if you're finding it demoralizing. At this stage, I have to say I'm finding it so bloody, uh, almost entertainingly awful that I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm quite, looking forward to seeing what happens in terms of the lineup that Kloppo puts out. And Cam, I'm going to start with you on this because a man I thought had actually maybe gone to the next world. Uh, I saw a video today, I think, to be honest, that it appeared two days ago, and that is the injured Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain bring us around the new facilities yes. uh, at the AXA training ground thingamajig. Um the place does look absolutely awesome. I mean, to be fair, that video doesn't do it justice at all. But it was encouraging to watch young Ox there, uh, you know, looking very chipper. 
on his first day, he said, uh, back training, which, you know, it just shows you how unlucky that kid is. This is, that was his first day doing a few bits and in the gym in this new place. Um, talk to me about the overall thing, the impact of these injuries, what you think we're going to do as a result of that. How, how, how do we get through? Cause everyone's saying we need to get through the Christmas as if we're going to get seven or eight players. We'll be lucky if we get two. And, and mark this down, write it in your little books. Um, that Trev said this, because that's exactly what's going to happen. We're not just going to change the club policy entirely uh, on its face. We, we will get two emergency signings. We don't bother with signings in January, mostly unless they've been long to, touted. So, Cam, long-winded way of saying to you, what do you think we do to improvise around all of these um, very, very impactful injuries over the cor- coming weeks? Uh, and bring me all the way back to Alex and uh, how much would you love to see that kid back on the field for Liverpool? I just realised how much I missed him as a Liverpool player uh, watching him today. Oh, crikey, what do we do with all these injuries? Yeah, that's a huge question right now, isn't it? Um, ultimately, it's just about getting 11 fit players on the pitch. Um, you're going to have to, Jürgen's going to have to tweak possibly the way we play. Uh, to accommodate said players. Uh, I know the way the training is done throughout all the levels, and um, this is one of the ideas of having uh, the academy move in with the uh, first-team squad, that it's a uniform type of um, of training and style. So the step-up is more seamless. So um, it's... it's it's oh, it's it's difficult, isn't it? It's going to be really, really difficult. I mean, Reese Williams going now is um, is he probably wasn't going to play on Sunday anyway. It would have probably been Nat Phillips with a uh, Matip at the back, so um, Reese Williams probably would have been on the bench because then he would have been playing uh, next week in the Champions League game. So that's what's probably going to happen with the centre-back pairings. No idea where Fabinho is because uh, I watched inside training video today. There was no sign of Fabinho, no sign of Thiago, who I don't think we actually signed Thiago now. I just think it was a, um, a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a spoof story. Bit of a mirage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, definitely hologram on the pitch against Chelsea and the F. So, um, because there's been no sign of him in any of the videos, in any of, any of the photos. So he's not, he's, if he's at the training facility, he's, he's training on his own. Um, uh, maybe they're just keeping it as a surprise for Sunday when they suddenly announce him an hour before kickoff that Thiago is playing just to throw the Brodge office complete whatever senses he has. So, um, but yeah, watching the inside training videos today, um, there was a little clip of Ox in there training inside on his own. So, um, you know, just uh, doing a, a very, very light jump. So uh, great to see that kid back because um, right now we need him. You know, everybody is essential. I mean, I made a, a statement um, before the end of last season about Curtis Jones and uh, saying, uh, first I said, I don't think he'll start 10th. Premier League games, and I said actually I don't think he'll start five Premier League games. Mm. I think he'll I think he'll probably smash that now the way it's going. Um, I think he was quite far down the list to be fair, 
He, you know, he was going to get a lot of minutes coming off the bench. But uh, up until Christmas now, you, he, he's going to be an important member of that, that first team now. Um, they all are. Every fit body is an essential body. Uh, um, and we just got to truly take it one game at a time, get 11 on the pitch, get seven on the subs bench, of which we can only use three. I see the EFL today have announced that they're going to go to five subs are allowed. Um, it seems ridiculous that the Premier League and the other clubs do not want to allow this. But then the other clubs don't want to allow it because they feel that the bigger teams have got an unfair advantage because they have better squads. So you can understand why they don't want to allow it. But yeah, you, you can, but uh, there is a there is a welfare issue that that's at the heart as well. And um, I would have thought in this day and age, when you can make that point, that should just win. That should just win and trump every other point that's being made, because it is, quite frankly, you know the the it's you know if you want to be if you want to be cynical about it, it's the sanctimonious self righteous position. What about the, the players' welfare? And I would have thought that that would have taken precedence. And it's strange that it hasn't. Interesting, as you say, to, to note that EFL uh, change. Maybe they will follow suit uh, in the PL. Who knows? Um, You've raised loads there, so I want to bring Carl in on a few of the things that you said more than what I said. Um, you know, Cam's right, isn't he, Carl? There's, there's going to be um, uh, everybody's going to be valuable in this next period of time. And again, you know, everybody's saying, like I said, Cam, everybody's saying between now and you know uh, the the transfer window that everybody's going to be particularly important. But like by the far side of the transfer window, you'd like to think that quite a few of the guys will be fit and firing, apart from the long term absentees. So that's neither here nor there. Frankly, it's about who we've got now and what jobs they can do now. And I'm only partially joking about someone like James Milner filling in at centre half. Um, you know, to me, there's a logic to that, that, um, you know, he will have the game in front of him. Um, he obviously has zero recovery pace. He'd have to have someone quick beside him. Um, but like if we are in a, in dire straits, which we are, um, I would have thought that would be somewhere where he could deputize. How are you feeling about all this? I know I asked you yesterday about the, whether or not the levels of, um, optimism were higher, were you a bit demoralized? Cause I was feeling a bit flat by it all, but, there's lots, to, lots of, of angles to look at there. Talk to me about Ox and talk to me about, you know, your hopes for the, the, the coming weeks and how we improvise. Well, we've got 11 games, haven't we? We've got 11 games before we can buy anyone. So um, that's including three European games for like, a time we probably qualify for already. And um, I think the best thing about it, if there is a good thing, that I'd rather is the Jürgen Klopp involved in front of everyone, it's like, you know, don't get down, don't get down about this at all. It's just enough to do, but it's just going to be harder to win the league this time, but we're still going to win the league. I don't think there's any going to be talk of, oh, well, that's the end of that then, isn't it? Um, I, I don't think we can go through that. I'm trying to be as positive about it as possible. I mean, Fabino is coming back. It wasn't a big, big injury when he went. Matip has just come back, and obviously I know that he's got an injury record. I like Nat Phillips already. I like I like Reese. Um and I think what what the thing I keep coming back to in my own mind about this is it just means, and this sounds a ridiculous thing given the way they get through, at least the midfield are going to have to work even harder. And it's not the system we're playing at the moment where Henderson and Wijnaldum are doing the job of four people occasionally. And which, of course, comes with its own problems because you don't want them getting overstretched either. I think Milner is going to be important to us. If we can get Chamberlain back, then even better. If we get Thiago back once we've freed him from the aliens, then, um, or whatever Cam thinks has happened with him 
lizard um, people. Oh, sorry, yeah, the, the, it's always the oh again with the lizard people. Um, it's just going to be a very, very interesting time. But what I will say is we are getting through it. I mean, you know, Virgil went five games ago. We're still getting through it. We lost Fabino. We're still getting through it. We still beat West Ham. And there's a lot. Um, an even bigger point is we went to the hardest ground in front of the hardest opposition literally in the world and we didn't get beat. And that's a huge thing for me. If, if they can keep focus on this and slowly get people back again until we buy Kula Bali or someone similar. Um, I know we're looking at some lad at Schalke at the moment, apparently, but um, I think he's just a kid. Then you, you can't look at it in 11 games. You've got to look at Leicester. Then who do you rest against Atalanta if you can? Then who do you rest against Ajax, which I think is a harder game? And then, you know, we've got Midget Land on top of that. So I think he's, he's basically going to have to go game by game by game. Fabino plays 80 minutes in this one. He plays 75 of the one after that or something like that. Um, the good thing we've got, though, is the science is so good now that we can see who's in a dangerous area and who isn't. And, you know, if we have to bring in somebody to play the sixth role, who doesn't know if Curtis wants to play the sixth role or something like that, then that's going to have to happen. Um, I'm trusting that we've had two-thirds of the front line now. I've, I've had COVID already. Um, <laughs> I won't mention Mo there. We gave our views yesterday. That is still on the red button. Um, and uh, and Joe goes in fantastically up front as well. The, my, I've got a slight worry about the formation because it's nuts, frankly, that the midfield have to do all that. Um, but I, to be honest, more than anything else, Trav, I'm, I'm interested in it because I like seeing how they solve problems. I mean, yeah. Trent's going to be an I, issue. Trent is going to be a big issue, I think, though. I think you've, um, I think you've, you've, you've highlighted some, a couple of things there that I wouldn't mind teasing out, actually. First thing is, I think the, the, the formation that some of us were raising our eyebrows at, um, where it looked like he was trying to cram Diogo into the team and play a two in midfield. I think that's probably just not going to be a goer because of personnel at the moment uh, for the next couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's that's whatever it is. I think as Cam says, there's a high likelihood you see the likes of Curtis coming in uh, into a three and um, uh, improvisation around that. Um, I think whether or not Little Shack plays will tell us an awful lot about whether Little Shack will be here. Uh, at the end of the year or not um and you know there's lots of there's lots of things which as you say carl are interesting but let's just look at let's look at a little microcosm in terms of the management of the squad let's look cam at the at the champions league fixtures that we have remaining right we start off against atalanta then we have uh, Micheland, and then we've got um ajax or is it the other way is Micheland last I can't remember how I can't remember the sequence yeah. off the top of my head. But basically, if we were to beat uh, Atalanta, that it's would be well. You would think so. I don't think no, it's no, a it fit. is. It's game over. Twelve points is enough. Yeah, I'm not. Let's face it. Nine points is probably enough, but you don't want to, you don't want to hedge your bets, do you? Yeah, twelve points gets us through to the, the next round. Well, they, well, you see, if that's true, and I think there's a little issue around that still. I, I just haven't looked at it before. Um, then you've got two games that don't actually matter. Um, yeah. Because, honestly, topping the group, being second in the group, when you've got a disaster like we've got in our hands, it's just about going through. Um, 
so that's an example of somewhere where there might be a bit of management of the squad available if we were strong enough and able to get over Atalanta. Um, that's a big ask. But, but you know, you, you see where I'm going there. So it will really be, really be horses for courses. And you're going to see all sorts of strange fits. And, of course, you're going to have a lot of sketchiness. And teams have started to feel, and by the way, this included when Virgil van Dijk was in the team, that they could maybe come and have a go this year. Um, we had that sketchiness to us, even with our uh, our solid defenders, when we had the keeper out at the start and people were like, oh, let's have a go at these. Uh, you know, then Virgil was like, okay, let's have a go at these aerially. And as Carl says, we've stood up to these uh, various challenges quite well. Um, but it's it's remarkable just how many that are facing us now. I mean, I I can't even think. What well, what does the defense look like? I mean, even Andy Robbo is, is has a little question mark over him at the moment. I mean, yes, yeah. uh, Reese Williams, we're, we're told, came home with an injury. Um, uh, that means it's it's not Phillips. Uh, it's probably Nico Williams. Uh, it hopefully going to be Andy Robbo will be in there as a senior centre half, but we have no or set not centre half but um, defender, but we've no yeah. guarantee of that. And then you're looking at you'd imagine someone of experience, like for example maybe an improvised Ginny Wijnaldum, Jimmy Milner type thing, um, coming in to to. Robbo's playing now, by the way. Say again, Robert, sorry, Robert, Robert's playing tonight. Robbo's playing for Scotland. So he is fit. Robbo's playing for Scotland. So that means he's okay because I know Steve Clark was saying he's a little bit worried about him um, and he needed to see how he was going to be. So if he's playing, that's encouraging, assuming he gets through tonight, of course. And uh, we'll all have the joy of finding out whether that appears to be true or not tomorrow. So, I mean, talk me through some of the potential lineups, um, Cam, that you see that we have from people who are currently available without wanting to jinx anything. Because uh, you are talking about very much about fringe lads who wouldn't make it into the starting 11 usually. Okay, um, it really is going to be a case of game by game and assessing your position now, uh, assessing our assessing our player strengths against your position, uh, against your position strengths, um, because no two teams are going to have the, the same skill set. Um, we haven't got our best back four available. We haven't got our best midfield available. So. Um, Let's look at Leicester, for example, now. Um, they've got Vardy up top. Vardy is seriously quick. And we like to, you know, play this supposedly higher line. If you've got Nat Phillips and Matic there as your centre backs, they're not quick. You know, they're not Joe Gomez and they're not Virgil van Dyke quick. Nowhere near. So that, that's going to be an issue in, in itself. And it's, the problem is, we might only have those two available as centre-backs. So it's not a question of who are we going to have. It's a question of how are we going to stop the ball from getting, going to Jamie Vardy in that respect. So that then comes down to what you said earlier, the midfield having to work extra hard to stop that supply line, the stop the, cross, stop the ball over the top coming from the, from the centre-backs and the full-backs. The, the long ball, it really is about the front three, if it's a three, uh, because I assume it will be a three. I don't see uh, Shaq or Minamino starting uh, against Leicester. I think the front three will be um, Sadio, Bobby and Jota. 
and I think he'll go back to a, try and go back to a four-three-three. We haven't looked comfortable in that four-two-three-one because of what you said earlier, because of personnel. If it was Thiago and Fabinho, play the four-two-three-one all day long. You've got the perfect two to play that system there. Not with um, Jimmy, not with Hendo. They uh, they just they don't know how to manage that space as well. They manage the space a lot better with a three. That's where you, your likes of your Curtis Jones is going to come in. Your Jimmy Milner is going to come in. Um, possibly even Shaq can drop in there because that's what he did uh, against uh, Man City in the last game, didn't he? Um, uh, Naby's back as well. Um, we've forgotten about Naby. Naby's going to be huge in all this. If we can get Naby just to get through these the next 11 games, that's good. because. People don't don't see Naby's defensive qualities. He's he wins the ball so often. He tracks back as much as anybody, and that's going to be crucial. So, can, can I ask you a technical question then? Um, because it's something that I've seen knocked around. Obviously, we have very limited personnel in terms of our senior men in defence. Um, and as you say, and you've teased out nicely there in terms of yeah, very much horses for courses, and the midfield will change. I think with great regularity, and I think now for the first time in ages, so will the front line. But we have lots and lots and lots of good footballers uh, to come in in both of those areas where we don't have lots of good footballers to come in at the moment is in defence. So um, I saw somebody talking about moving uh, Andy Robbo inside, seeing as he is a senior man, he's used to playing that line that has been so important for us and moving him into centre half and, and, and starting Samikas. I saw another man whose opinion I uh, respect as well saying, no, 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 that's staff. If you have a good player, you leave the good player in the position where where he's good and you'd bring other people in um, to fill in. So I'm going to ask both of you what you think about that, um, because it is an interesting question, you know, in terms of the uh, of the of the tactical approach of whether you do that or not. I mean, immediately when I say that, do you find yourself wincing at the idea, Cam, or would you be along the lines of, well, look, maybe he could do a job there and get us through a game or two? Um, I've no idea whether Andy Robson could do a job at centre-back. All I know is he's like five foot two, and that's, that's not what you want as a centre back. Uh, I've sort of liked the thought of uh, Andy Robbo staying with Jamie Vardy, but then I would see Jamie Vardy pulling away from Andy Robbo and going mm. more towards Matip. So it, it would negate and Andy Robbo being a centre back. If we're playing Sunday, uh, if we're, we we've got Spurs in one of these games, would you put Andy Robbo up against uh, Harry Kane? Yeah, it's 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 almost ridiculous. Um, you you can't do that. You've got we've got three or four players, four or five players who actually could join Matip at centre back. I think who would do a better job than Andy Robbo. You've got Nat Phillips. You've got Reese Williams. Maybe not really either of those two are ready for the Premier League. Um, probably not. I know Nat Phillips has played a game, but we we couldn't get rid of him in the summer. Nobody wanted him. He was so very we, good when he stepped in, though, Cam. He, he, did, he did a very good game that day. Yeah, he had a good game. He wasn't challenged. He wasn't pressured. You, again, would you put him up against Harry Kane? You know, Harry Kane is arguably one of the best strikers in the world. You know, it's a worry. I'd rather have Fabinho there with Matic. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. That, 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 and that's, that's, that's where I'm going. So you've got Fabinho. Yeah. You've got you've got Ginny, who's played at centre back before against Brighton away in a three. That's an option. Um, possibly even Hendo, if, if the worst came to the worst. Although Hendo defensively, I think, is, is 
is quite poor. But whether he could do it as a centre back, I don't know. But um, I'd I'd rather have Hendo there over over Andy Robbo. If, right, let if me, that let makes me, sense. It does. It does. Let me let me hop the exact same question because you know Cam's made an awful lot of sense there, Carl. And you know he's talking about playing specialists uh, where you can, but also then sort of almost not contradictorily, but saying that he'd actually prefer to have an experienced head beside. Uh, the likes of Joel Matham. Of course, all of this presupposes that Joel doesn't go down um, in a heap after seven minutes of the Leicester game because he's got one of his little tweaky things that he gets every few he games. Alone, he's listen. You know how much how fond I am of Joel Matham, but he is made out of chipsticks. So we need a fella who's going to be um, robust uh, there to last the duration. And I just the reality. When he's, of number, it, he's number one centre back, isn't he? Of course he, he is. is number one centre back at of the club. He is. And listen, you know, there was a long time there, including this season, where he would be. I would have thought there was no question that he should be alongside uh, Virgil when fit in our best two. And that's not a slight on Joe. It's just Joe wasn't in the finest of form. So yes, Joel is fantastic. But I think, given the season that we've had, presupposing that he's going to be able to last all the games, all eleven games. I think that's a bit daft. I don't think that's a thing that happens. Um, we weren't able to do it with him traditionally. We haven't been able to do it with, with the, another man beforehand with with with, um, with Dejan. He played six, seven. He was out with a little bit of a knock and then he was back. So he never played seven. The, he never played seven. The idea no. of a specialist, Carl, um, do you think that's all important or would you go with experienced footballers a la sticking in someone like Millie or sticking in someone like Andy Robbo into a centre-half position to get you through a game. What do you think about all that? Well, for a start, I wouldn't put Andy Robertson in there because if we've lost Trent, there's no point in giving them the entire wing. I'd always play Robertson at left-back because that's what he's good at. And he's a good defender as well, so he can still cover. If we've got a kid in the middle, then I'd rather have Robertson in his ear rather than you know talking outwards to Simicass. I'd, r- I'd rather have a centre-half play centre-half. Um, I, I don't want James Milner in the back four because um, as strong as he is, he, he's not quick. Um, I, I played. I thought Nat Phillips was fantastic. I really did. He did everything that he was expected of him, and uh, he was obviously just told, just clear, just clear, just clear. That's what you've got to do. And your number six will pick it up from you. That's what you've got to do with that. And I thought he did that really well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. It's a strange situation to be in. I, I was at that that Brighton game when Alvin played in in, in the back four. Let's let's just say back he, five. He, back five. Sorry, he he, he could have had he, he's had harder games. <laughs> I'll put it that way. They were dreadful. Um, they five one and they got a penalty and they didn't even go near when Alvin was that bad. Emre scored for God's sake. And um, I, I still think we're going to be all right. I, I just do because. I know we've got, I know like Nat, Nat and Reese are sort of, um, you know, the young kids and everything, but like, you know, Nat Phillips has played an awful lot of football on the continent and Reese Williams is brilliant. I think he's really, really good. And I think the way that it's, I think this is all about the manager, the way the manager handles them. the manager just, okay, well, it's your turn. You've got to play. They've all had to do this at some point, you know, they've all, they've all been through this. I, I, I mentioned on a show recently that mm-hmm. um, I, I looked up what, Virgil, uh, when Virgil moved um, from Groningen uh, to Willem, and Willem said, we're a bit worried about him because he's played too many games for Groningen and we don't think he's fully, fully developed yet. Virgil van Dijk, that is. So, you know, they all start at that level. They've just mm-hmm. got to stand up and do it. And I think that's going to be the attitude of the players. Okay, this is the situation. We've just got to stand up and do it. 
I don't like the idea of Henderson at centre back either, um, because I think we'd lose something from the midfield because he's the tempo man. Yeah, um, yeah. Play the centre halves. Play the centre halves at centre half. I think that's all we can do. And then when Trent comes back, um, so, sorry, I, th- I think um, Saturday we might see Nico, uh, Matis, Bino, and or Robbo. And I think yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that's okay as well. I, th- I think it's very much that thing that you were saying, and um, w- I think we're all sort of quietly thinking it as well, is that, look, lads just have to do it now. They just have to do it. Yeah. And we may just have to win games by the odd goal in seven. That's just how it will have to be if we're going to stay in contention uh, in competitions. And, you know, if Bobby Firmino kicks back into serious form, then you've got a defender and attacker in one playing great stuff and linking up the play and all that kind of stuff and scoring goals. Well, well everyone's a defender now. That's yeah. the way it is. Everyone's that, a that, defender. That would be that would be that would be a little magical turn of events. That would be delightful. Um, we've got a guy who's banging form in the Ogajato. We've got um, Sadio, who's always outrageous. And when Mo comes back, he'll hit the ground running as well. And I think what an awful lot of people need to be wary of, and I don't know what you think about this, Cam, as well, just to double down and finish on this topic. You know, I was uh, I was suggesting it to you at the very start, but even when the transfer window opens, you can't expect lads to come in and be game-ready immediately. And if they are, like if you sign a Koulibaly, um, they still need a little bit of adjustment time. So you're, it's, it's going to be into the new year and it will possibly even well into it. Um, before you have lads who are just, you can drop them into the first team. It's a very rare thing to sign a lad and put them straight in. You know, it, it doesn't often happen like that. So I think people might be over-egging the transfer market in terms of fixing this scenario. If we sign Koulibaly, he will play straight away. Yeah, but he's, uh, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's yeah. one of the rare ones. Yeah, who could do. he's one of the rare ones because he's almost on Virgil's level. As soon as we signed Virgil, he was in. There was no bedding in period. We're not. I don't see us signing Koulibaly. Um He's 29 or coming up to 30. He's. They're going to want big money for him. They know they got us over a barrel because we'll be desperate if we're talking about Koulibaly. So, as, as much as I'd like to say, yeah. Excuse me. Sorry, just had to sneeze. Um, as, as much as I'd like to say we're going to go out and sign Koulibaly, we're not going to go out and sign Koulibaly. I just don't see that happening. He, um, not for the type of money they would want. He doesn't fit the profile then. Um, and you're right. Um, I think I may have said this last week. Um, um, I'm, I'm sure I said this uh, last week about how Jurgen likes to bed players in. He doesn't. He doesn't just throw them straight in. He wants them to learn the system. He wants them to get acclimatised to what the club is about. How I mean, Andy Robert is a perfect example. He had to go knocking on Jurgen's door, say, "Why aren't you playing me?" And Jurgen said, "Well, you're not ready to play. You're not. You're not. You're not up to the standard yet." And at that point, Albion Moreno was playing quite well. Yes, it's it's quite a different scenario right now. We're desperate for a, a top quality centre back to be in there just to help us. But, Unless he knows the system and how we like to play, especially supposed with this higher line we like to play, and maybe he's not used to playing that higher line, that's going to cause issues in itself. That's why your Reese Williams, your, your Nat Phillips, your Billy the Kid, your Seth Vandenberg, these guys are going to be possibly crucial, not just like you say, over the next 11 games, the next 
15, 16, 17, 18 games. Yeah. And you that's remember, if you sign someone. You remember when we did that wonderful thing that we did that rescued all of our faith in humanity and in the beauty of our club in 2005? And on the road to that final, we had to play Igor Bishkan away in a big semi-final. And we had to play Florence Cinema Pongal and we had to play all sorts of other lads who shouldn't be getting a sniff of the Liverpool first team, and yet we go and win it. It's going to require that level of, okay, we're improvising here, and we may have to win in sort of outlandish fashion at times. And I'm looking at the table, and, you know, Leicester are ahead by a point on the same amount of games played. Nearly everybody has a better goal difference than our absolutely wretched goal difference of two. <laughs> and this may make a difference in the, in the short term when we're looking at tight, a tight table until somebody pulls ahead. Uh, it may make a difference right at the very end when it's tight at the end. Uh, and it's a very unfortunate situation. You'd like to think it'll remedy itself gradually over the season. Um, but then we have this potentially dodgy defence for a while. Um, I'm looking at that makeup of the table with Leicester sitting happily in front of us, Tottenham ahead of us on that goal difference that I mentioned. Um, and you think um, City would be only one point behind, I think. No, two points behind two. us. Um, if, if and when they win their game in hand and Southampton are, are handily placed in fourth, a point behind us. Uh, Chelsea similarly two points behind us. Um, there's, there's a, there's a real possibility. Um, that this is going to be a very interesting and unbalanced league for all sorts of reasons, mostly because of poxy COVID. Um, yeah. and, 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 and the impact that it's having, the knock on effect it's having. Um, uh, if if you look around at the teams that are around, and then bear in mind it is a weird year, and I'll get both of you on this, then I want to get both of you on one other football-related matter, and then we have a bit of uh, nostalgia to talk about to see us out. Um, I'm looking at the other teams, and I, I I have a feeling, right? I saw a little bit. I had Amazon, that Amazon Prime thing. I had it for seven days um, with a TV I bought, so I signed up for that like free week or whatever that you get. I got with my TV. Uh, and I had a little bit of a look at that Spurs documentary and I was, you know, kind of quietly impressed with how Mourinho comes across because I had started to genuinely dislike that man immensely. Then he sort of a bit vaguely warmed to him as a pundit. And then when I thought he's back in football, I was like, oh God, he's just going to be obnoxious again. Um, but I think he might have a real chance with that squad. He's got an outrageously good squad there. So I'm looking around at the potential um, challengers. Leicester have a very good uh, uh, squad too, and they have the potential to last for at least three quarters of a campaign. So I think they'll be there thereabouts. I think Tottenham are, and I know it's Tottenham, but, but before anyone makes the obvious point, but I think they're very well placed as well. Uh, we've seen Chelsea can be hot and cold, and obviously City are going to rally a bit and come back into it. Um, has it the makings, Cam? And then I'll go to Carl on this. Of a, like just a genuinely exciting league that'll keep us diverted because nobody knows what's going to happen from one week to the next. Yes, absolutely. Is that it? This is, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be. This is going to be. It, it, it's squeaky bum time every game. It really is. It's, it, this is going to be. I think the most exciting Premier League season we've seen in a long time. Because it's, it won't be about two teams or just one team. It will be about, for all the points you just raised there, Trev, three, four, five, six teams. They're all going to be in the mix because, let's be honest, from one game week to the next game week, 
we don't know who's which eleven are going to be on the pitch for any one team, mm. and that just throws everything up in the air, and it will totally come down to how good that manager is and how good he is at getting the most out of the squad he has. Yeah, and we're and we're ahead of the curve on that. Uh, far ahead of the curve on that when you when you compare us to everybody else because we have quite simply the best manager when it comes to that type of thing and improvising so that's that that is encouraging Carl just the same question to you briefly before we go to our second last topic which is a, again brief also in terms of potential challengers is it just as simple as what what Cam and I are saying that it really is like probably uh, people often say it, but it is legitimately the most open one because you can see potential in a lot of teams if they can manage to get a run going um, because other teams will just lose points. Everyone's going to lose points this season. Yeah, I mean, I mean you look at Marino because he knows what he's doing and he's really, really, he's a really, really good manager and, you know, much as he's, he's disliked, he's a hell of a manager. And I thought I thought that documentary, I didn't see all of them, but I saw the first few documentary um, documentaries and, um, obviously, the most important thing was Harry Kane's fantastic um, uh, motivational speeches before the games, which was just basically a collection of vowels. I enjoyed that, but I think he's a really good manager. I like all his forwards. I think they're really good as well. Um, the thing about this season is it is a level playing field because we're all going through the same thing. No pre-season. Players going down with COVID. Three weeks ago, Evan had won the league. Southampton were 12th or something like that, and now Leicester and Southampton are top. Um, it's it's going to be nuts, and forget high nineties, and you know whoever wins the league. I think eighty points could win the league this year. There's every chance that could happen, and it's the same for everyone. Not everyone's got half centre half injuries, or you know that they're not missing, you know, the biggest players in the world like we are. But um, this is a, this is just a dogfight. I think this season, this is basically just a race to see who can get just as many points ahead at the very last minute. And then hope that nobody collapses. I think it's going to be like that. It's just going to be can it go Shakespearean, Trev? Yeah. It's going to be like two spent swimmers clinging together, as he says in Macbeth. Very nice. Very nice. He was uh, talking about the 2021 season when he said that. He did. He he had one eye on the 2021 season. He did. Yeah. And he often did. As he often did. Loved a bit of fun he did Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> but not now. Oh, no. Not the Elizabethan area. No, no, no. We're talking post-COVID. That's what I, he's on about. I've got a, I've got, I've got one little um, topical story for both of you, and then I want to lean into a bit of uh, reminiscence via an article that uh, Carl had written during the week. Um, but before we do that, um, a bit Amazing of news. Article. A bit of news, chaps. Uh, dramatic news brace yourselves good news at last it says here i've got my news feed open so i had to click on this immediately to see what the good news was some liverpool Liverpool fans delighted that news that's just dropped for sunday so i'm scroll 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 what the hell is this liverpool fans have expressed their delight on twitter because david coote has been dropped for their clash against (laughs) leicester city on sunday Uh, he was supposed (laughs) to be in stockley park on the var duty uh, and now he has been replaced at the last minute. He's heading off to do, I think, Manchester United's game. Um, actually refing it, I think. And, oh, so he's going home. And Andre Mariner is, um, is taking his place on the VAR duty for Birmingham our boy. Now, it's, it's, isn't that a weird one? 
Isn't that a weird one? So, of course, everybody's talking about how that's because there was so much, compl- so many complaints to get against and about him. Um, it seems strange that he would be named and then removed. That seems awfully, uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like a strange move. If they weren't going to put him in, they weren't going to put him in. I, 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 I'd, I'd imagine this is just some sort of bizarre coincidence. Or, or do you think it was just a bit of fan outrage that actually moved the needle there? What's your, what, what are your thoughts on that? Can I tell a story about that? Please so in 2008, I did a, a, a little charity thing, and we got we were talking a fair bit around those times to Jamie Carragher, and um, we mentioned uh, well I didn't actually do a mate of mine who was with, working with us um, talked to Carragher and he said oh do you know about Lee Mason I said what he said well mate well, our mate went to school with him and he wore a United shirt in games when he was in, in school and Carragher said. In this voice, what? I'll get on to Rafa about that. I'll get on to Rafa about that straight away. He's shit hot on that stuff. Right. The clubs, the clubs had a word. Uh, the clubs obviously got Seriously? Yeah. And I, th- I think it's a good thing to pull them off because, you know, I, I don't like the man. I, I couldn't pick him out of the lineup, you know, um, but he can't win, can he? He, he gives a, he gives something for us, and then it's oh he's doing that to the scousers just because of what happened in the derby, or he goes the other way and it clearly hates us and it's a big agenda. And suddenly, suddenly lizards are involved. Certainly talking to you two. This will be called the lizard podcast lizards. one week. Lizards are real, don't knock the lizards. Well, yeah. not the lizards, but don't don't be knocking our thoughts about the lizards. All right? Okay. You've started. You've given into them already, haven't you, Brady? You've constructed some locust hut. That's the the <laughs> cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of Brady preparing for the apocalypse in his shed. Hey, I'm allowed in the house now. Let's have a shed. <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm delighted to have you on side, Brainty. You know, I've been digging <laughs> trenches uh, in the back garden, and uh, yeah, trenches not being gardening. No, that, that's no. a hidey hole. That, that it looks on the top as if it grows potatoes. It's not. It's actually a, 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 a several room layer underneath, like a, like a James Bond type. It is. It is. Silo. There's, there's me and ironically uh, 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 Klaus Schwab of the of the World Economic Forum were down there plotting <laughs> plotting the end of the world. Uh, how in 2030 you you will own nothing and you will be happy. <laughs> actual quote. Actual quote. Um, there you go. So uh, that's great. Uh, so 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 that's that's interesting. You reckon the club have had a word and, and yeah, Cam's, Cam's writing in the back of that as well. That's great. Right. Oh, last yeah. last thing we want to talk about then is um, the passing of Ray Clements. And uh, listen, our our listenership are skewed from uh, oldies like ourselves to younger people. And if I'm being perfectly honest, my Liverpool fandom coincides mostly with me remembering. Bruce Grobler and Gold, if I'm being perfectly honest. Obviously, I do remember, uh, some, some years when Clem was, was between the sticks. But, you know, my formative memories of a Liverpool goalkeeper are, are, are basically all Bruce Grobler. So what I'd like to do is talk about Ray Clements because as a guy who got into Liverpool and in, into interest in Liverpool as a very, very young child, in the end, at the end of the seventies and then into the eighties as, as, as still a young kid. Um, 
you couldn't help but be aware of the legacy of that man. You just couldn't. It was it was sort of ingrained. And Cam shared a video uh, in some of our chats that, you know, was one of the most striking memories I have of Ray Clements was a picture of his return to Anfield and the, the video uh, footage of him going to the cop end. Uh, and it's it was just amazing. It was such a beautiful, warm moment of embrace for a former great um, that just it warms the heart. And, you know, also I have to say my, my memory of him is, is thinking this guy is so good watching him playing for Spurs. Um, he also almost uniformly came across as an absolute gentleman. And um, all the stories I've read about him uh, have doubled down and confirmed that. But, you know, all the interviews that I've been lucky enough to do with ex-pros from the club, almost all of them, um, would have had Bruce as their keeper. There would have been the guys who played in the in the early to mid eighties and onwards into the nineties. So I don't have any connections necessarily and stories about Ray Clements. So, Carl, it was uh, enjoyable to be able to, to to reminisce a bit through your article. Talk to us a little bit about the man and maybe raise one or two of the points, if you would, that you felt were uh, salient enough to bring up in your article. And then, Cam, I'll bounce it back to you because I think you probably have a little bit more of Clements' memories than I do. So, Carl, we'll start with yourself. He's Liverpool's greatest goalkeeper ever. And I will not shrink from that ever. He was just... Because... When, when you're, what was said in the piece is when you're between the ages of, say, 8 and 12, footballers aren't footballers. They're absolute walking gods. And I was lucky, I'm lucky enough to be from the city that won the European Cup around that time. And and people were going to beat Liverpool every single year. It, it's it's cities this time. United are going to do it. This Forest team are going to go up and do it. And Liverpool beat them up and beat them off all the time. And Ray Clements was just always there just played so many games 665 games he played for us and he played everyone with a smile on his face and he was just such a gent and so loved within everyone I'm desperately heartbroken when he went to Spurs and, and obviously when he went for Cup and NFA Cup with them as well and you talk about the, the, the day he came back to Anfield and he ran towards the goal there's some context behind that as well we were a goal we had to win that game to win the league and, you know, that had been a really, really hard season. Uh, I think it was 81. And we're a goal down. It's the last game of the season. If we lose that game... 81 to yeah. Um, if we lose that game... Of course it was, yeah, because we bottom of 81 was at City. If we lose that game, we've lost the league. This is in everyone's heads at the time. And everyone forget it just because Ray Kennedy... Ray, Ray Clemens ran towards us with his arms over his head. And that's just... The, the sheer love we have for that man. And he should have got 160 England caps, but, you know, Shilton came up at the same time and that happens. Um, and him as a human being, I've been, I mean, I posted a few things about him uh, just after he died on Sunday. And, and one lad said to me, you know, you think about Ray Clements as a, a Tottenham man, a Liverpool man, an England man. But anyone who walked up to him and said, I'm from Scunthorpe, he wouldn't let them go. He just spoke about Scunthorpe with such love and talked about everything about how much he loved their being there in the 60s before he came to us. He just absolutely loved football as a whole. And Scousers are very, very sort of dismissive of England. I certainly am. And um, 
I've got them interested in it. And, you know, you feel like when Gerard was playing for them, saying how much he loved playing for them, it was a bit of sort of, Ugh. but I loved it before in England game where you see Ray Clements on the pitch warming up with the keepers. And I just, he always just brought a smile. Just what an absolute legend. And as I said in the piece as well, that only 11, Liverpool only played 11 men in the European Cup final in Rome in 77. No substitutes. We didn't play a substitute. They played two. So only 11 men were on that pitch. Only 11 men saw the game at that level because everything's higher than that, obviously. And three of those have gone now. Emily and Tommy Smith and, and Ray. And it does sort of distance you away from like your, your, your past. But um, he will always light up a memory for me. And he always has done. He's just, he's just uh, as PG Woodhouse says, he's just, he's just a, a good deed in a naughty world. Lovely. Fantastic player. Lovely. Um, Cam, your chance to just uh, reflect on any particular Clements uh, memories you've got yourself? Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember too much because um, there wasn't many games shown on TV. Um, it was a question of just clips of when I was allowed to watch um, Match of the Day or when I used to watch Saints Saint and Greasy yeah. on, a, on a Saturday and you, you'd get a clip of a, him making this just an amazing say, you know, they used to call Peter Benetti the cat. And I used to think, what was Clements then? You know, if he, if Benetti was the cat, what was Clements? He, he was, from what I could see, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal keeper. He was, he was so composed. He was so calm. His shot stopping was amazing. He, he was, I wouldn't say he was a sweet, sweeper keeper from what I saw, but he certainly had that in him. He, he was always there, ready. Um, well, well, it's, it's centre back. Sorry, Cam. It's centre back. So we said to him, like you know, he was such a good keeper because he wouldn't let anything pass. He just, he was just in their mouth. He's just in their ears all the time. Yeah. Stay there, stay there. Don't come back. Stay moving. He just did not shut up during the whole game, and that's why he was so good. And my, going back to the video I posted, that for me is my biggest memory of Ray Clemens of when he came back in 82 and he's going to the cop. It's the second half and the cop, the cop were actually applauding him before he put his hands up. You know, that's what the cop does. And it, it it's even now when I, you know, watch that video, it's, it's, I get shiver down my spine because it was nothing about, it was only about love and respect for the man. You know, it didn't matter that he was playing for, you know, rivals at the time. You know, Tottenham were a good team at that time. Um, it was just, it was just like pure, pure love, you know, and um, and it worked both ways. And I was quite shocked uh, actually when he left in 81. You know, we'd won the European Cup in uh, Paris. We'd beat Madrid 1-0. He was obviously crucial in that. Forrest had won the uh, the title that season. Um, and, you, you know, you, you just couldn't imagine Clements wanting to leave. You know, he was, he was still, for me, he was the best keeper. You know, for me, he was better than Shilton, but I'm biased, you know. Um, and he, he probably stayed as good as he did because he didn't have to play 160 games for England and wear himself out and risk an injury. So, um, he was just phenomenal. He was just an amazing keeper. You I, know, th- I thought it was very really interesting what one former player said. Sorry, and I can't remember who it was, but. So, you know, you, you think about his hands because he was so good. It's, you know, he, he was a good technical keeper as well as a shot stopper. But I said it wasn't, it was actually his feet. The, the, the way, like, you know, he was so quick on them. 
like you know coming out or jumping across the line when he has to. So his, his footwork was amazing. He also had he, he also had a great goal kick. I remember that really clearly. Big yeah. big left the big left footed kick. You know, uh, it's 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 a nice thing uh, to reminisce about um, proper greats at the club, um, and you know we are in an era now where. Uh, there may be lads who in 20 and 30 years time will be worthy of that type of reminiscence as well. I love that kind of full circle thing. And I was walking through uh, the school yard today and my pal Al was ahead of me. He's a Manchester City fan. And I just found myself saying to him, isn't this mental that you and I and our clubs are the two big forces in football again. I mean, who would have thought that was going to be a thing that would ever happen? I mean, we, we've been friends for good few decades at this stage and who would have thought that that would be a thing and you know it is you know we're talking and stressing about injuries and all that but we're still sitting up there at the top of the table fully i fully expect us to challenge for every trophy that we're in this season um you know and that is on the back of that old wonderful platform built by people like ray clements who was you know therefore the emergence of liverpool as such a dominant force in football um uh, and, and, and a platform that we may be returning to the peak of as well it's it's exciting times um i started the show rambling about tv so i want to give you both a chance to give a a hard recommend to something um that you're having a watch at the minute just to finish this out because i think this has been a very uh uh pleasant and free-flowing show and i think we should finish it on a on a on a fairly upbeat note or at least a uh, uh not too serious of a note so um cam you told us you were watching a specific show earlier on that you're not ma- necessarily a massive fan of have you seen something that is good and can i ask you a question before you do tell us a very quick question um, I listened to a true crime podcast uh, during the week um, because I was trying to distract myself from the heavier stuff that I'm listening to at the moment, um, economics and history and the like. And I was listening to it. It, it was about Luca. It's it Magnata or Magnata, the guy who is the central horror show in that um, Don't Fuck With Cats um, oh. documentary from, from Netflix yeah. that came out, yeah. what was it, last year or whatever. Yeah. Now, at the time, I couldn't bring myself to watch that. I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, I don't like the idea of that. The, the immediate idea of cruelty to animals on, on screen was like, I don't want to see that. And then second of all, the way it was being presented was that it was this internet mob of, 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 of guys who, and gals who got together and they were the heroes. And, um, I just had a belly full of, of internet mobs at that point and I didn't want to be watching things where they're being all glorified as well and, you know, self-important and all the rest of it. Now, the guys who were doing the true, true crime podcast made me feel as if that was very much a good call on my part. But I'm asking you now because I think you watched it. Would you recommend? Would you yeah, recommend it as a watch? I would. Movie? I would recommend it. And, okay. And three three parter, right? Something uh, like that. Part, short, I can't remember how many it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. What I will say that internet mob was actually also responsible for the death of someone. Yeah, so, that's, that's uh, what tends to happens with internet mobs. You yeah, see, that's, because that, that, they that's, went after the wrong person. Yeah, it, it was it was the glorification of those at the time that made me yeah. feel queasy. Um, uh, because I, I have a lot of strong feelings about that and about, uh, you know, that type of um pylon culture that's been encouraged. Of like, anyway, talk to me about something that is very good that you think people would like to watch. Um, well, I'm actually 
I'm not saying it's very good. I'm actually at the moment watching You, Me, Her, which is a, a Netflix series. It's five series, 10 episodes a series, 25 minutes an episode. It's meant to be a bit comedy, but it's about uh, polygamy. So it's, it's, it's quite bizarre what, what they've done. In them. And I'm not sure why I'm watching it, but I am. Because yeah. I just want to see where it goes. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm also watching uh, Fargo season four, uh, which isn't Netflix, but worth a watch. I'm also watching uh, on Sky Atlantic The Undoing with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. Oh yeah, I've seen the trailers, right? Yeah, and that's interesting. That's interesting. It's, uh, but it's a weekly one, so you know it's not something you can binge watch. I've got, uh, I've, Fargo. I've got the third day with Jude Law from Sky Atlantic recorded on the box, and I haven't watched it yet. I think there's a few parts of that. I've heard that's wonderful. Did you watch that at the time, though? No, I've not watched that. I'll, uh, okay. I'll, I'll have to find that then. Yeah, yeah, put a tick in that box. Carl, yeah. what about you? Anything you'd recommend? Uh, if you haven't seen it, The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if I mentioned that recently, but that's fantastic. That's just great, great, great TV. Me and Cam were talking about it before, and uh, I, I'd recommend that. Um, also, my TiVo box has been recorded in something like four episodes of Curb a Day. So I'm watching seasons five and six again at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just seen the one where Cheryl leaves him. The one where um, she, it starts where she's on a plane and she's, and they're about to crash and she rings him to say goodbye. I think I, you know, I love you, blah, blah, blah. But he can't really pay any attention because the TiVo blokes come around. He's got the he's TiVo boy in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the first 10 minutes of that episode, I I, I, I was choking. I was laughing that hard. So, yeah, yeah. Look, can I call... Look, it's really not a good time, Cheryl. Can I, can I call you back? And that, <laughs> uh, it, so I've been watching a great deal. I've been watching Taskmaster as well, which is actually very good, I must admit. Um, but, yeah, mostly um, uh, The Queen's Gambit. Is, is, I've been watching that more than anything else. Phenomenal. I've been, I've been a bit busy lately, so... <laughs> It's gone mad, so <laughs> not a great deal of telly. The last thing then to do is to get you to uh, finish out with any last thought, whether it's a quote or whether it's something you want to plug or whether it's just something you've noticed. Uh, so let's get that from you and I'll go to Cam and then we're out of here. Well, here we go. Things I've what I have done this week. So some green grass in a bowl, which I curate. Um, I've... Today, there's a piece on the footballer Robert Enk. I ask everyone to read that, please, not just because it's my site or because, you know, one hits or anything like that. Because, as if you don't know, Robert Enk was a German international goalkeeper who, um, one day in 2009, walked in front of a train and killed himself. Um, yeah, nobody knew. Nobody knew that's it, you know, what was going on in his head at the time. He'd had a really, he'd been a big play for Barcelona disastrously, he played for Benfica, um, and uh, that I remember, I remember when that happened, and just being stunned reading about it the morning after. Um, that seems quite a down topic, but I can tell you that next week's "Some Green Grass and the Ball" is written by Joe Thomas, and um, the title is at the moment. I'm going to have to change it. Sadly, Joe is "Don't Fuck with the Swans," and it's about Cyril the Swan, the mascot at uh, Swansea, and it's unbelievable. It really is. It's an incredible story. Um, what one of the subheadings is Cyril has his day in court (laughs) (laughs) and normally as an editor when you read things like you're thinking okay what have I got to cut what have I got to to put a picture in there I've got to do that I just sat back and just read it's fantastic it really is Mm -hmm. and me me and Trevor on the Sun Green Grass uh, WhatsApp 
group and um, everyone like Scraggy was really kind. He's like, Carl, I think that's the best thing you've written for Summary and Grass about, about Robert Enk. And I said, I'm sorry, gents, you wait till next week. Next week's going to knock you all over. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out as well. And we've just recorded the latest episode of the Sherlock podcast from Adler to Amberley with uh, a man called uh, Kyle Glazebrook, who's a Liverpool fan, uh, who just asked to be on the show. And we've just discussed uh, the Copper Beaches. Um, so we finished the adventures finally. And was there something else I was going to tell you about as well? I think that's enough, actually. That, that, that should keep us all busy for a bit. That should keep us all busy. Lots and lots of goodness there. Uh, I am in that chat, the WhatsApp chat, and to double down on what Carl's saying, I'm so impossibly busy at the moment. And the day job is still going because schools are still open in Ireland. Um, we've got, um, I've got an extra evening job now as well, their podcasts. And then everybody knows I tend to be distracted by family on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, I, I, I noticed the WhatsApp thread. Uh, and didn't even have time to reply to it, but I'm very much monitoring with interest and looking forward to getting back in some green grass some of these days when the hours open up. Can I just say that um, after much um, pontification and deliberate delay, The Great Stories is now relaunched. Season two is out, and the first episode of it is out. In the background, my pal Neb Hamu is working on a website, bless him. So we're going to have that up and running soon to point people towards. There'll be a player embedded on there and eventually the wherewithal for people to support us if they should choose to do so. The first episode of season two is The Man in the Black Suit by Stephen King. It's a genuinely brilliant and eerie story. Um, do which, give which, a which, which is that from? Which, which? Everything's which, Eventual. You know that collection? Oh, that's, that's the one I haven't read. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's absolutely glorious. And I just I couldn't recommend it enough as a story in and of itself. And myself and Neil Poole had a very interesting chat about it afterwards. And I just, you know, having delayed and delayed and delayed because I wanted things to be perfect, getting back to actually doing the podcast felt so good. It's easily the best thing I've ever done. Um, I'm very proud of it. If you haven't listened to one and you think you might be vaguely interested in someone telling you a story, just give it a go because the main feedback I've gotten week after week after week is I didn't think I'd be into this, but holy shit, I love this now. I love stories and that's just so encouraging and that's why I think this thing will last and be a winner long term. So Cam, what about yourself? Any last minute ideas for us and you wanted to plug or point us towards or what have you got for us to see us out? Um, I will second the article on Robert Enkerman, was it? Enker. Enker, sorry. Um, I, I put it in, the, in our WhatsApp group chat earlier. I had it, I was just subscribed uh, via WordPress to the site. Yeah, I saw that, I saw that today. Yeah, yeah and uh, it came through uh, as an email and I just sat there and I was just completely engrossed. I thought it was the uh, hand on heart. I thought it was one of the best pieces of writing I'd ever read. It was really well written. Um, it was a phenomenal article. Um, really thoroughly enjoyed it and it, it's a very moving story. Um, it, it does, it does touch you. So, um, everybody should definitely get on that. Uh, and again, great to hear that, uh, Trev, you, uh, you, you're doing season two now of um, the great stories that's that's going to be great for when i'm back in me uh listening to me pods again and it'll be on me on me download list that's for sure so really pleased with that one um and i've got a, a one-liner for you just to go out with and um carl you'll be very pleased with this one uh well with who it is anyway 
we have to create a presence so disruptive that I want nothing but peace. Hmm. Close. No, 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 no. Think bad. Oh, you may hit there again. That's next week. No, no. Um, <laughs> oh, go on. Pablo Escobar. Oh, okay. Pablo Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> Big mate of mine, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They wouldn't kill you. They they hate Mexicans too. Lovely. Yeah. What was the what's the, what's the big difference there? I guess uh, Pablo just the 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 uniforms weren't as good in the Medellin cartel. Hugo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boss wasn't sorting them out the same way as no. he was sorting out Goebbels and the boys. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the appropriate cam. You often you, you often just pick these ones that just uh, sort of resonate in many different areas in my head. Just as we're finishing, and now I want to talk about loads of things, but we let people go. Uh, a joy to get back to doing the podcast after our, our aborted attempt last night. Um, I, th- I was nervous that it would be sort of a, a little bit difficult or forced, but that flowed beautifully, like they usually do. And um, we thank you very much for your patience with us. We know there's occasional layoffs. You just have to understand that you've got four sort of men of a certain age with uh, families of uh, certain um, demands and uh, life situations, which can be a little bit of a difficult scenario at times to to cope with. Witness tonight, Carl's entire house collapsing around him electronically. Yeah. Um, it's so it's literally sparks literally coming sparks. out of the wall. It can be, it can be, it can be uh, trying, but we do in, endeavor to get one to you on the regular and we will continue to do so. Um, so thanks for your support. Do pass the word on if you like the show because we're getting some lovely feedback, or at least I am, uh, from people of late. Very, very nice things being said. So we appreciate that very much. Uh, we will get out of here. We'll see you very soon. We we'll hope the Reds will keep it, uh, keep it, uh, between the hedges in the meantime. And when we talk to you next, hopefully we'll be talking about a couple of Reds wins. I've been Trev. That was Carl. That was Guy in the background, and that was Cam finishes off with his uh, Pablo Escobar quote. We'll be back next week. Until we see you, be kind to your fellow Reds, and stay safe out there. Podcast Network.